Welcome to Connection Church's podcast. This message is part one in the series, Are You Asking the Right Question? In order for us to understand our purpose as a church and as Christians, we must be asking the right questions. This week, Brandon asked the question, who? We're going to uh, do something a little different today. We, we normally sing a little bit more, but, but we'll, we'll probably do some more of that here later on. But um, I don't know, it's been interesting uh, the last two or three months that the way God's kind of been speaking to me. Um, it used to be that God would speak to me in a sermon each week, and sometimes it was late in the week. And I, but it seems like lately God has really been giving us like a message that's just been split up over several weeks. And it's been really cool to see how God's putting these things together. You know, we just finished the unfulfilled. I used to hate preaching what people would call series because I just, I don't know, I just didn't like it. Somehow it felt can. But I really believe that lately God has been speaking to me in different messages. And so we're going to start a new message this week, as you can see on the board. It's going to be four weeks, so I'd encourage you to try to make those four weeks and, and hear what um, the answer to this is. Are you asking the right question? Because I believe in life that if we want to get to where we we are supposed to be if we want to get to where we want to be where to reach our goals and do the things that that God's made us to do we have to ask the right question if you're on a journey and you don't ask the right question you may, may never get there and so our life's journey is going on all around us it's going on every day of our life and so we want to look at some of the questions that we need to ask not only to meet um, or to get to where God wants us as individuals but what are the questions we need to ask to get to where God wants us to be as a church If we're going to fulfill the vision that God has for us um, as a church, what are the questions we need to ask? And so we're going to begin to look at that. Today we're going to answer the question of who. If we're going to begin to do the things that that God uh, has created us to do, that God has called this church to do, and God created this church to fulfill a purpose, to do something in this community. If we're going to do that, then we've got to answer the question of who. Who is it going to be that gets this done? And so I want to talk to you about that today. What we're going to do today is a little bit different, is I'm going to introduce to you two people today that are going to help us to begin to understand who it is that's going to allow us to affect the community around us, who it is that's going to allow us to um, fulfill the potential that's in each one of us. And so I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to bring the first person up. His name's JT Bender. Um, he's gonna, you're going to be blessed. He's a friend of mine. I guess I've known JT now for four or five months and has been an awesome blessing. He's um, a guy who we end up, we'll go to lunch and end up two hours later, we're still talking about God and what God's doing. Just an awesome blessing. I know that uh, he's going to be a blessing to you today. But I'm going to pray and then he's going to come up and he's going to share a little bit of his story with you. Well, God, um, we do thank you for today. God, I thank you that your spirit, you're here right now. That you walk among us, that you're, you're so huge and so big, God, that you created everything we see and that we know and yet you're so small and able to fit on the inside of us and flow out of us, God. We love you and, and just thank you for, for making us righteous and whole through the blood of Jesus when we're so unworthy so many times, God. And yet you come and make us clean, make us whole. God, right now I pray that you would speak through JT as he comes to share. God, give him peace. God, I thank you for the message that's on his heart. I thank you for the story he has and the testimony that he has because of what you've done. Lord, this is your service. Do as you will in here today, God. We love you and we thank you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. JT, will you come and share with us a little bit of what's on your heart? 
Give him a hand as he comes. You want me to stand on the stage? Right. See why you like this. It's kind of like looking down on everybody. Um, <laughs> all right. I'm really grateful to be here. Uh, you know, I really feel like I'm here by the grace of God. And um, just a little bit about what happened. Uh, Brandon and I went out to lunch. And, you know, like we said, we were talking about God and just, you know, spirituality. And, um, and uh, I started telling him the story that I'm going to tell y'all. And then... Uh, and he was kind of like, man, will you tell that in front of church? And it's one of those things where, like, is he joking? You know, I really hope he's joking. Um, but he wasn't, and so I'm here. Um, so just a little bit about me. I'm from Seattle, Washington originally, you know, so I'm a long way from home. But, uh, you know, this church has been, you know, a big part of making states real my home, and so I thank you for that. Um, uh, you know, I grew up, you know, one side of my family, you know, really went to church. The other side didn't. So, I mean, I deep down knew that there was a God, but didn't live that way. And uh, it got, so by living for myself my whole life, I found myself in Statesboro in treatment for alcoholism and drug addiction. Um, and so sitting there for a couple weeks, it got time to make a decision. You know, was I, was gonna, was I gonna stay here um, in Statesboro and try and get sto- sober and do what's right, or was, there, was I gonna go home? And um, I wanted to go home, you know, cause that's the only thing I knew. You know, I was so afraid of what, you know, doing something different had to offer. And, uh, and it was the first time in my life that I really, like, sat down with God and, and prayed for guidance. Um, and this, this is the part that's really hard to describe because, uh, you know, it, I had never experienced anything like this before. But, um, and it was so real to me, but just staying here felt lighter, you know. And I was praying and asking God to lead me in the right direction. It just felt lighter, and it felt so real. Um, I felt like I was being pulled um, in this direction to stay here. Um, and what has happened in result of that is uh, my life has taken, you know, um, a turn for, for the better. You know, it's better than I could have ever imagined. And, and I think the difficulty sitting there when I was making that decision was I never surrendered to letting God take control of my life and show me what, what I needed to do. You know, that, that was just so foreign to me. Um, and being able to experience that has changed, you know, changed my life. And so if there's anything that I'd like to communicate to y'all, um, a message that I'd like to give y'all is just, uh, you know, we all meet those crossroads in life. You know, they can be little, they can be big. But, um, you know, in the end, it, it's so much easier knowing that there is a God that is love um, and that will take care of us as long as we're willing to um, to to, to to um, keep them in our life and keep them in our heart um, and that we just don't have to do this thing alone. Um, but that's all I wanted to say. Amen. Well, JT has been a huge blessing to me and to um, the church and just, I know he's, he's surrounded by a lot of friends who we love him and he, I'm so appreciate what he brings. JT is also one of the most honest people I have ever met. Like he's sitting in my office the other day and, and we're chatting and talking and he just finally looks at me. He's like, you want me to leave? You know what I mean? Cause he just, he just says things that just come out of, out of uh, just pure honesty. And, and I just appreciate that about him that he is, he's just what you see is what you get. He doesn't mince words and, and you just know where he stands. And so when he tells you and stands here and tells you that, uh, that what, what God's done in his life, he means it. And I've seen that just over the few months that I've known him. And so just so thankful.
for JT and his testimony. Now, this next person that I want you to meet um, as, as absolutely amazing. Um, they have been grieved a lot in their life, um, but they continue to heal people out of their woundedness, out of the things that they've gone through. Um, they, uh, they pour out the love of Jesus on everybody that they've ever met. Um, they've seen literally miracles happen uh, at their fingertips, at, their, at their, their hands and their commands, miracles happen. And it's just absolutely amazing. And I want to, I could go on. I mean, there's so many things. I mean, the, everybody this person meets, they serve. Um, it's just amazing how they pour out the heart of God on everybody that they come in contact with. And so today I want to introduce you to the person of the Holy Spirit. And all y'all are like, crap. Y'all are thinking, who's this great guy that we're going to meet today, right? And that's a little cheesy. That's a little cheesy. But the point I want to make to you today is that the Holy Spirit is a person. He is, he is God. He's just as real as JT standing up here and giving you a testimony about what he's done. And when we read the Word of God, we begin to see all that the Holy Spirit's done in our lives. But the fact that probably some of us, and, and I don't know, some, you know, because I didn't build it up real big because I felt like it'd be kind of a cheesy thing to do. But the fact that some of us are sitting there, and when we find out it's the Holy Spirit, we're kind of like, oh, gosh. I mean, come on, we kind of wanted to meet this person who's had miracles happen, you know, who's seen all these things happen. And yet, we've got to come to a place of realizing that God, the Holy Spirit, is here, and he is so real, and he's so alive, and he's here for us today. Um, one of the things that we've got to begin to do is, is begin to see the Holy Spirit for who he is. I want to read to you today in Acts chapter 2, 1 through 13. It's a little lengthy, but I want to read it to you, and then we're going to talk about this today. It's a scripture we've heard tons of times, but I hope today maybe we'll see it a little bit differently, and maybe it'll give us some insight into what God wants us to think of him and, and the Holy Spirit. But in 2, two verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all, sudden, all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they said, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, uh, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in their own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Well, let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love and your grace. God, I would ask that this word just sink deep into our hearts today and that our lives will be forever changed by the power and the working of your Holy Spirit. God, help us to remove the blinders of our experience and everything, God, that we have uh, made you to be and help us to see clearly who you are today. God, help us to begin to recognize you more through the working of the Spirit of God. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, one of the awesome things that happens in chapter 2 of Acts 
is that there are literally people um, from every nation under heaven is, is the way, one way that the Bible describes it. People from all over the place. And they're gathered there to come and worship uh, through as the Jews would do every year. And they're there to worship and they're standing there. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes. It falls on these believers. They begin to speak in tongues. They begin to proclaim the wonders of God as the, the Bible says. And somehow miraculously everybody that was there began to hear in their own native language. Everybody talks about the speaking of how supernatural it was, but I want to tell you today that it was just as supernatural that they could hear, right? So when we think about that, we need to be, be cognizant of that. If, if we were to take and everybody in this room start speaking at one time, just our language of English, as you began to speak, I guarantee if we had one person on the stage, they wouldn't be able to tell you what conversation anybody was having because it would all run together. So there's this miracle that's happening where people are speaking in other languages, but they're also hearing in these languages. And some of it was just a a miracle that they could even hear what was going on. And so the first thing we begin to see about the Holy Spirit when he came on the day of Pentecost is that the Spirit of God begins to cross over all cultural boundaries. And it's so clear right here that it was the Holy Spirit that began to cross over all these boundaries. What began to happen after these people get saved? They go back to their native lands. They go back to where they're from and they begin to spread the gospel so that the Holy Spirit literally begins to cross cultural boundaries. And the answer to this first question today of who, who is going to change our community? Who's going to get us to the potential that God has for us? The answer to the who is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that's going to empower us, that's going to get us to the place that that we're, we're called to be. See, we will never do all that God wants us to do as an individual or as a church without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Just a quick uh, little example. I was going through Acts this week, just reading back through all of the Acts of of the apostles. I really think it would be nice to call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit because it's all about how the Holy Spirit works and what he does. And I took a green highlighter and through the chapters I read, I would just highlight um, different places where it mentioned Holy Spirit or something that the Spirit of God had done. And as I flip back through Acts now, my entire Bible is just splotched with green. Because the Holy Spirit was working in so many ways, doing so many things, empowering, doing all these things that can only be done by the Spirit of God. Now, we've got to realize this, that if we're going to do great things, we can do that. Men can do great things. We can accomplish great things. But if we are going to do God things... If we're going to do something that is not capable of being done with our own hands, with our own effort, with our own desire, then we are going to have to tap into the working and the power of the Spirit of God. And somehow this is one of the least talked about things in the church today. We kind of get God the Father because in some way we can relate to a father, even if our experience of a father does not accurately depict who God really is. We can kind of get Jesus because he came as a man, right? He came as a baby and he grew up and we can kind of understand that. But man, you start talking about the Holy Spirit and people start freaking out. I don't know if it's because it's the Holy Ghost or whatever, but we start getting kind of, ooh, you know, everybody kind of gets the heebie-jeebies and we just kind of start wanting to look and not not necessarily um, want to dive into that because there's so much of it that's misunderstood. But I want to just tell you, and we're going to look at this more, but if we are going to do what God called us to do, if we are going to fulfill 
fulfill the, the purposes that God has us to fulfill, then we're going to have to answer the question of who, and that is the person of the Holy Spirit. In the early 1980s, all of you who are from Statesboro, you can, if you're going to nap, now's the time to nap. You know this story. But Irk Russell came to Statesboro, Georgia from the University of Georgia. Um, he uh, came to Georgia Southern University and began a football team, as you know. And some of you could tell this story better than I can. But you know, he came and he started. I remember when we moved here in 1985, um, we moved down here. Dad was going to work at Plant Vogel. My mom was going to go back to school. When she started school, I believe there were five, 6,000 students here in 1985. Today, we sit in Statesboro, Georgia, Georgia Southern University with 19,000 students, and they are looking to have 20,000 next year and three more thousand within the next three years, if I'm correct in that. Now, where does that tie into Irk Russell? Because if Irk Russell had not come to Statesboro, Georgia, if the Georgia Southern football team had not done what it did, then we would not have 19,000 students in Statesboro. True? Would anybody, everybody agree with that? Okay, if you are awake, wake up now, raise your hand. Yes, okay. Everybody would agree with that, that we would not have 19,000 students sitting across the street from us if Irk Russell had not come and built a football program. Would you not agree with me that Irk Russell revolutionized Statesboro, Georgia? That's, I, thank you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Give me a fat preacher leg kick. All right. And, and so George, Art Russell literally came and revolutionized Statesboro, Georgia. I mean, it has grown. It has exploded. And, and I mean, it's incredible to see what happened. But now I'm thinking about this. And I'm thinking about how great Coach Russell was. I love Coach Russell. I could walk into Snookies and somehow he could remember my, who I was. He could, he'd say, hello, I mean, he's a great guy. I mean, just an awesome guy. You could sit down with this man who was known all over the place. And he could have a conversation. But as great as he was and as much as he did, don't you think that if Irk Russell could revolutionize a town, the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of God, God Himself can do the same thing. Amen. Yeah. Man, you just walked in and brought all kind of life. I'll tell you what. But we come and we begin to see that if Irk Russell can revolutionize a town, he can change a place, he can make it explode and grow, can the Holy Spirit not do so much more? I mean, we, we, we better believe that because we're banking our lives on it, right? If God is God, then he can do this. Then we can begin to see that, that God can change this community. Man, things can happen. It can be incredible. It can, listen, we can see things that people have prayed and prayed and prayed to see. And it just hasn't happened. But who's to say that now is not the time? Who's to say that now is not the time that God begins to reveal his heart. He begins to pour out his spirit in such ways through us that this place begins to be changed. But see, here's the problem. And this is the next thing I want to talk to you about is that the problem is, and the devil is so smart, he's so cunning, he's so deceptive that the one thing that could cause the change, that could cause this thing to happen, to explode, for lives to begin to be changed, the Holy Spirit, he has come and he has used it to be a divisive issue. As we've seen a little while, it was meant to unite us, to bring us together. And yet it's the one thing, the Holy Spirit, the person of God, that has caused more division than anything else. Has it not? I mean, you begin to think about it. You begin to look at it. And all of us view the Holy Spirit in our own context. We all view the Holy Spirit through our own eyeglasses of experience, right? 
We all begin to look. In fact, when I say Holy Spirit, there are some of you in here today that would love to jump up, run around the room, speak in tongues, kick, kick, dance, dance. I mean, come on now, tell me the truth. Some of you, that was what the Holy Spirit was to you. You grew up that when the, somebody had said Holy Spirit, you said, oh, you know, you just kind of got excited about things. You just got real intense and boy, ooh, and there's just something on the inside of you. See, the, the one who are laughing, they grew up that way. But... Because they understand what I'm talking about. There was just something inside them that just, man, the Holy Spirit just kind of jump, you know. Just get kind of a little herky-jerky little jump. And they, they start looking at it and they, whoo, man, whoo. You know, they'll even do, whoo, you know. And, and I'm telling you, what's so funny is the first time I ever went to a charismatic church. I mean, I didn't know. I was this little Methodist boy, right? I grew up in this little Methodist church. And, and I, I'd never been anywhere but like stained glass windows. I didn't think God could be in a place without stained glass windows, right? And so I go, and, and all of a sudden, I get this hunger for God. And I'm like, I want to know more about God. God, I want to know more about you. I wanna... So one day, Susan's gone out of town. And so I decided I'm going to another church, and I am going to find out more about God. I want to know more about God. And so I go to this little church in Guyton. And I heard some good things. I mean, boy, they were growing. They were exploding. And it was a charismatic church. And so I go. And now, listen, I've never had any other experience. I mean, if somebody raised their hand, you thought they had a question. You know? If somebody raised their hand, you're like, well, we'll have to take questions after the service. And so I'd never seen it. I walk into this church, and everybody's nice. And, and I sit down, and I'm like, I'm nervous because I'm like, okay, I've heard things. I've heard things and I just, I'm not sure what's going to happen. So I sit down and they stand up and there's a song some of you probably know called I'm a Friend of God. And so I never heard this song before, but they stand up and the band begins to sing and it's going, you know, I am a friend of God. And he's singing, I can't sing, so sorry. But he, they're singing, you know, I'm a friend of God. It's kind of slow, so it's kind of going through, kind of going through, kind of going through. And then I'm like, well, what's the deal? I mean, there were a couple of people raising their hands. I thought, well, they got questions, but it's okay. And so we're just going through the, the service. And then all of a sudden it gets to a point, it's like, boom, boom, ching. And then, I mean, it just explodes. And they start playing electric guitars and the drummer, he's just beating on the drums. And everybody in the whole place starts jumping up and down. And I'm like, whoa. I didn't know what was going on. They're jumping up and down. And then I was like, well, I don't really understand that. But I went back again. And the next time I went, they had another worship leader up there. And he starts doing this thing where he's going. I mean, he's out of breath. He's been running around the stage. He's out of breath. He comes up there and he's like, all right, now, what are we going to do? What are we going to do is this. On the count of three, we're going to stomp on the devil. And so they start doing this thing where he goes, one, two, three. And he starts going, boom, boom, boom. And they would count off the number of times they stepped on the devil. And I'm kind of like, what? But I'm kind of getting into it. I'm like, hey, this is cool. I have no clue what I'm doing, but this is cool. And so I went to this church and it totally blew my context of God and worship and all of these things out of the, pic out of the water. I mean, it was, wasn't even close to what I'd ever experienced before. I mean, I had my context of the Holy Spirit. I thought maybe it was like a goosebump. Maybe it was when the air came on in church and it just kind of blew on you. Kind of, was that God, you know? And so I just wasn't real sure about who the Holy Spirit was. But I get over there and it's like, whoa, this is a whole nother deal. And these people understand the Holy Spirit in a whole nother context than I do. And I began to just think, but I knew there was something inside of me that I really wanted. How God has a sense of humor, he put us in a charismatic church for about five years. And then I, before I knew it, I'm the one, I'm like, yeah, 
you know, and I'm jumping up and down and I'm, I'm, I'm you know, like going back and forth, you know, and, and so it broadened my understanding and context of who God is. But the point of all that is this, that we all come to God and our understanding of the Holy Spirit by placing him in some context of what we understand. But I would just challenge you today, and whatever you believe about the Holy Spirit is cool. But I challenge you today to begin to ask God, seek God, begin to ask God through the scriptures, God, what is it that you do? I mean, who are you? Holy Spirit, teach me about who you are. One of my favorite verses is in the Beatitudes. It says, blessed are they, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And I can tell you as a testimony of my own life and how God's done in my life, if you will hunger and thirst for God, he'll fill you. He will get you everything you need when you need it. And so I just encourage you today to begin to look at this a little different. See, this is one thing that I do know today. I know because I've talked to some of you in here um, and, and I, I, you know, during the week in different times, some of you are holding back in the context of which you understand God. Does that make sense? It's not too wordy. Some of you are holding back in what you understand God to be. I'm not talking about being unbiblical. I'm just talking about maybe your style of worship. That maybe you're, you're holding back in worship. Maybe it's not even just in here. Maybe it's in life. There's things that you know, things that you know about God you're not willing to share because you're just a little unsure about how it's going to fit into the box of somebody else's context. Is that the way they understand? Does that make sense? That we're just afraid to kind of take our woo woo and stick it over in their box, right? And so we've got to begin to see, though, that God, God wants us to have a broader view of who he is. And I want to encourage some of you, and I know some of you are going, oh God, I hate him. I want to encourage some of you to quit holding back. To quit holding back. If God is calling you to worship him in any way that might be different from my understanding of worship, I can't sit here and tell you, don't worship him. Now if it starts getting you know, we'd like want to sacrifice chickens and goats, then we'll do something about that. But I'm saying within the context of sanity, worship God. Worship God. If you want to raise your hands, raise your hands. If you want to dance, dance. If you need to run around the room screaming, my bones are on fire, you know, just hold it down just a little. But we can't hold back. And see, here's the question that I pose to you, the church today is can we live in the tension of that? Those of you who don't understand God in that context, can we live in the tension of somebody who worships differently than we do? Think about that. Can we live in that? If somebody jumps up and says, Lord God, and they start doing the chicken walk across the front of the room, can we deal with that if we grew up in a Methodist church where they raised their hand only if they had a question? And I'm not trying to stereotype churches. That's just where my experience was, okay? I'm not putting anybody down. It's just where I came from. Are we okay with that? Can we live? Can we exist knowing that here sits an Episcopal who's never raised their hands before in their life, and here's a Pentecostal who all they know of worship is that everybody's running around the room. Can we live in that? Can we live with an Episcopal who runs around the room and a Pentecostal who says, thank God I don't have to do that anymore? But it could go both ways, right? Can we live in that? Can we, can we be okay with each other 
in this pull because I want to tell you what ends up happening is we all end up at some point polarizing ourselves. We end up just saying, oh, well, this is who we are. So this, this, we're putting our stake here and doggone it. This is all. And you know what you end up doing? You end up reaching people of like minds. You only reach this one little group of people because they come in and, well, you know, everybody seems to always kind of gravitate to people who are like them, Right? I mean, it's it just the way it is. But could we not, in Statesboro, Georgia, be an example of a group of people who can put aside their preferences and their own desires and worship together in, the own, in their own way, in, their, in their, their own unique way? And when somebody comes, when, when Denise starts running around the room, and, and we look at and you just kind of smile, and you just go, well, there goes Denise. She must have wore her tennis shoes today. There she goes. But, but you see what I'm saying? That can we be a people that doesn't have to go to one side or the other, but that can worship together and, and understand the who of God didn't create us? Now listen, the Holy Spirit doesn't come to stamp you in a cookie cutter mold. He doesn't come to take Bo and make Bo me. In fact, when I'm talking to Bo now, every now and then he'll utter, and he never used to do this, every now and then he'll utter some old church cliche. And I'm like, oh gosh, Bo, don't do that to me. I'm like, Bo, you don't do that. I'm like, you're Bo, you're Bo, you know, it's new, it's right, don't do that. And so he didn't come to make us all the same. If he makes you the same as me or me the same as you or we all begin to look alike, pretty soon we've lost our saltiness. We've lost our ability to go into the world and change things because we've lost our evangelistic outreach. People look all the same. We can reach one type of people. And the problem is, and I think this is a big problem in the churches today, we're able to reach those who are already Christian because they're, already, they're saved. They're like, yep, yeah, we're saved. and Well, I, I can relate to them. But God doesn't want to do that. He wants us to be able to be unique. And here's the maturity in the whole thing is that God wants us to be mature enough to sit next to somebody who maybe their worship style, maybe how they view God does not fit into the context of who we are. But I guarantee you this, and this is one thing I've learned through seminary is when you begin to view other people's, you'll begin to evaluate your own and discover that some things you've believed are wrong and some things that they believe are right. And it'll begin to change your mentality and your understanding. Now see, I think there, there are kind of two problems here and I'm not gonna read the scripture to you, but if you look in your Bible in Acts chapter 19, there's a group of believers that Paul comes to in the, the town of Ephesus. And these Ephesians are there and they're sitting there and they're, they're, they've been baptized into the name of Jesus. And yet Paul walks in and he goes, listen, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And these Ephesians look at him and go, Paul, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. We didn't know that he, what are you talking about Holy Spirit, Spirit of God? What do you mean? And he's like, what are you, and, and then Paul begins to explain to him. Then it says, and there's something to laying hands on people that God just, I don't know, maybe it's the relationship, maybe it's, I don't know what, but God says that, the Bible says that Paul lays his hands on these believers. They receive the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak, and th- they begin to manifest these signs of God in their life. And all of a sudden the, the Spirit comes to them in a different context than they'd understood. Now why I say that is because of this. Some people today live in a place where it's almost like the Ephesians. We are Christians, but we really don't even know that the Holy Spirit exists. Is that not true? 
I mean, many churches just don't talk about the Holy Spirit. We can't understand it. So it's kind of the redheaded stepchild that we put in the corner until we need like a goosebump or something. And so then we'll call him, okay, holy art, now get back in there. Not too much. And so we, some of us live in this place where we don't even realize really that the Holy Spirit's still here, that he's still working, that he's still doing these things. I've heard people even say that the Holy Spirit quit working when John died, the last apostle. Now this blows me away because who went and told the rest of the church? Listen, if it was all about the apostles, if it was all about the gifts of the apostles, then they wouldn't call them the gifts of the Spirit. Amen? God still does things. How arrogant is it for us to think that we could possibly in and of ourselves lead anybody to Christ? It is the work of the Holy Spirit, man. God is still moving. He's still working. He's still doing things today. And we've got to begin to realize that in just because we pretend he doesn't exist does not mean that he doesn't exist. You can pretend and we can, we can put him away in the closet, but I'm telling you, he is still there. And for those who will go and open the door to that closet, there is more blessing, more power, more enrichment in life than we could ever imagine. But so many times we keep the door on that closet closed. The other thing that I see mostly in church is that we come to the Holy Spirit and I want you to think about this and I talked about this a little bit. We did a series on the Holy Spirit, but I want you to think about this and and it's almost like looking at light through a prism. You ever seen how a prism works where this one ray, one beam of light comes in, it hits the prism. What it actually does is the angles and the, the, the prism actually begin to sh- slow down the light, um, the, the different rays of light that are in there. And then it begins to refract all these pretty colors. And so I believe when we begin to come to an understanding of the Holy Spirit, it's very much like that. It's very much like that. We begin to read, we begin to pray, we begin to have experiences with God, and we begin to see some of the colors of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? That we begin to see some of these colors. Now the problem is, we all have our favorite color, do we not? We all have, I like blue. Blue is my favorite color. I like blue. Now, Jackson right now likes pink, and I am praying to God that that changes. But but I like blue. And, and so we all have our favorite colors. And when we come to God, we begin to see, and we wanted to find a prism, but we couldn't find it. If you've got a prism, let me know. and We'll shoot some light through it next week. But if you can kind of envision this in your head up against the wall, you begin to see all these different colors of God, the brilliance of God, the beauty of God that begins to come out of this prism as we begin to understand who God is. The problem is we all have our favorite colors and we like to go and kind of pick and choose which colors we want. Do we not? We go at it and we look at it and we say, well, I like blue. And so we kind of just t- take and make the Holy Spirit blue. And this is who God is. Or we take and we go, oh, I like pink. And oh yeah, I like pink. And that's who, that's who God is. And then we take and we go, oh gosh, I don't like that color. Can I just, ooh, let's just... All right, now that color's not there. You know, we we just pick and choose what it is that we want out of God. And we've got to begin to see, and my heart and my prayer is today, we will begin to see that God is amazingly multifaceted. God has more colors than we could ever imagine. Even what we can understand today, God has infinitely more colors than we could possibly see. But we try to take and understand him in this little context. And before you know it, you've got this little thing with four walls and a roof. And we say, okay, God, you fit inside of this. 
You fit inside of this. And so we've got to begin to look at it in a different way. Um, and the thing is, you know, it's almost like these colors begin to congregate. It's like what I said earlier. They begin to, blues like to get with blues and reds like to get, and I really believe that that's the, one of the main reasons we've got so many denominations today is because we just want to be with people who like our color. Don't you paint pink on my blue or I'll get upset. You know what I'm saying? We just get in this place where we want to understand God. We want to move with God. We want to see God do things that's within our understanding and within our grasp. But I believe that God wants us to display every color. God does not want Bo or Chad or Nancy or anybody to just display one color. He wants us to display all the colors. Why does he do this? Because when we do this, we give people an accurate picture of who God is right? And it, is it not amazing that God can use me, that he can use you, that he can take us and begin to paint this brilliant, awesome, beautiful picture with all the colors of God? Now that is awesome. That is awesome to think about that God would have us to do that. And, and real quick, and this is going to have to be like with a big brush stroke. I mean, there's no way we can possibly talk about all the Holy Spirit does in, in another 10 minutes or so, hour maybe. But we, we, there's no way we'll actually be able to cover it all. But I want to take us a real big brush stroke. And I want to give you some. Some we'll talk about, some we won't. But I just want to, maybe it's sort of like wetting your app. I want you to begin to just think, what else could God have for me? What else might the Holy Spirit be in my life? How, how might he want to work that I'm not allowing him to work? One of the things the Bible teaches is that he's the comforter. That he, he, the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity is the one who will come and comfort. When we're afflicted, when we're going through difficult times, it is the Holy Spirit that comes. It was the Holy Spirit that comforted Paul in chains so that he could still sing praises to God, even though he may not have known if he was even going to be alive at that time the next day. The Holy Spirit comes as a comforter. He comes as the counselor. He'll lead us into all truth. He'll give us wise counsel. He'll give us understanding that we couldn't have on our own. When we're in a situation where we just don't know what to do, the Holy Spirit, yes, he can speak to you and reveal things to you and give you wise counsel and wise decisions. I do this all the time talking to people. While they're talking, I'm going, God, what is it you want me to tell them? Speak to me, God. Give me some wisdom for this situation. Help me to know more than, than I might know on my own. He's the one who comes to convict us. We've probably all experienced that when we did something that we knew we shouldn't do. He's the one that comes to convict us. I began to learn this at a very early age. I was probably four years old, and I'm outside um, our house. We lived in Noonan, Georgia at this time. I guess I was four or five. It was one of my earliest memories. And you know those little bubbles you get that you stick the little thing down in, and you pull it out, and you blow it, and it just blows these pretty little bubbles all over the place? Well, I was tired of blowing on them, so I thought, you know that little air conditioner part that sits outside your house? that the fan runs all the time. Like when the air's on, it, it runs and it kind of, I don't know if it cools down, I don't know what it does, but it does something. And the little fans were going, so I thought this would be a great time to pour those bubbles down into that thing. And so I take it and I'm sitting there and I always had this happen. I don't really understand it, but I'm pouring the bubbles and my mom walks out the back door and sees me. I mean, it was all of like 10 seconds and somehow I get caught. That was just always my luck or she was like really supernaturally in tune with God and God's like, Brandon's pouring bubbles out into, and she would just come out. But she walks out right at that time and she's like, Brandon, stop it. 
And then I get upset. I'm like, what did I do? I mean, I thought this was a brilliant idea, you know? And now I am crushed, absolutely crushed that she didn't think so. And she, she's like, well, quit doing that. You're going to tear it up. And I was like, well, why do I know that this is wrong? I mean, this made sense to me. It made sense to me. And she said, you know that little voice on the inside of you that when you began to do something and it says, ah, you probably don't need to do that. You need to listen to that little voice. And now I'm not saying that at the age of five, that was necessarily even God speaking to me, but I'll tell you what it did. It made me begin to turn inward and listen for the voice of God. It made me begin to listen. And now I believe today that one of the reasons I can discern the voice of God many times, I don't get it right all the time, but sometimes is because I began at that age to look inside for counsel. I began to look inside um, to hear these things. And I began to realize that if before I did certain things, if I would listen to that little check in my heart, then I could keep myself from doing the thing that was wrong. And we've all experienced that conviction before. The Holy Spirit's the one who comes and confirms. I remember one time when um, I I was probably, gosh, 23, 24, far away from God, didn't want anything to do with God. I had this lady at the place I worked who said, do you know that you know that you're saved? I was like, I know that I know that I'm not, you know, is that kind of thing. And um, she was like, well, you can know, you know, you can know, you know. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know that I can know. And it was kind of like one of those like cat in the hat kind of Dr. Seuss kind of things where we were talking back and forth in riddles and rhymes and all that. But we're sitting there and she's like, you can know. I'm like, you can't know that you're saved. Well, it wasn't too many years later, maybe a year actually, that I really came into this experience with God where I began to realize you can know that you're saved. You can know. How does that happen? Because the Holy Spirit comes into your life. He comes into your heart and he confirms your salvation in Christ Jesus. But sometimes we have to open the door. We have to let him out of the closet. We have to surrender more. We have to give him our life more. We have to give him all of ourselves so that we can experience all that God would have us to experience. He's the creator, the recreator. I mean, listen, when the world was voidless and, and formless, it was the Holy Spirit that was hovering over the face of the earth. The whole, God spoke and the Holy Spirit created. And he's still doing that in lives today. I mean, JT's up here and he's saying, listen, I can't even tell you. I don't even have the vocabulary to tell you what happened in my life. All I know is God led me to this place and now I'm different. That's all I know. But God was shaping and he was creating and recreating and taking our our ashes and and making them beautiful and doing things in our lives that that we could never do on our own. Now look at this. In Acts chapter 2, what began to happen? The Holy Spirit comes. And this man who had been literally like a blundering idiot, idiot for his entire life, Peter, gets filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter was the one who was always doing the dumb thing. with Jesus right he was always I mean he waxed the guy's ear off in the garden you know and Jesus is like what are you doing Peter and Peter thinks he's doing a valiant thing he's like and then Jesus is like what are you doing and then Jesus heals his ear how dumb would you feel if you just whacked the guy's ear off thinking you're doing the right thing and then Jesus picks it up and puts it back on his head that makes you feel really really stupid so, so God comes and there's this, this guy who had just screwed things up all his life. He gets filled with the Holy Spirit and he stands up and preaches one of the most powerful sermons that had ever been preached before. And 3,000 people got saved. What was that? That was God the Holy Spirit empowering an ordinary man to do supernatural and out of the ordinary things. 
And so he comes to empower us and we see that happening in these scriptures right here. I mean, absolutely amazing how God is moving. Do you know today that God wants to empower you in the same way? There are things that God desires to do in and through you that are bigger than you think you could ever do. And if we will surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit and allow him to empower us, what we view as mountains and as obstacles, God will remove. And God can take you to heights and to places doing things in his kingdom that'll be different than you could ever imagine. They'll be bigger than you could ever imagine. The next thing is this, he draws us to, and this is one of the biggest things in my mind. I guess if I had a color, this would be one of the colors I've looked at so much, but he begins to draw us to himself. The Bible says that no one can say that Jesus is the Christ without the Holy Spirit. We can't even know him. We can't know him unless he's pulling us to him. I mean, Peter stands up and preaches this message. And do you not think that the God was working? I mean, he stands up and tells these Jewish people how big of piles of dung that they are. And it says that they were cut to the heart. And so many of them came to believe on the Lord Jesus that day. I mean, he began to draw people in. It wasn't Peter. It wasn't even tongues. It said when they were speaking in tongues, they were declaring the wonders of God. They were praising God. And then filled with the Holy Spirit, he stood up and spoke a message that was empowered and anointed by God and people were saved. And so the Holy Spirit draws us. I guarantee you, you can look back at your life and you can think of times that God was pulling you to himself. It's exactly what JT talked about today. He said, I was sitting there. And he told me I was sitting there in this swing by this pond. And he said, I can't explain it. All I know is when I thought about staying in Statesboro, it felt lighter. I thought that is a perfect way to describe following the Holy Spirit. It just felt lighter. I just knew it was the thing to do. And so he began to do that. He began to move. God was literally wooing him. It's like you are on a date with your Maybe it's your wife now. Maybe it was a girlfriend back then. And you would do anything. I guarantee you, you open the door for her, you know? You would do anything to try to make her yours. And God's the same way. He's pulling. He's asking you. He's calling you to come to him today. And we see that in these chapters in Acts 2. One of the most awesome things that God does and that he desires to do through his spirit is he desires to unite us. We see that that happened here. I mean, these people were from all over the place, and yet God begins to unite them. He begins to pull them together. He begins to, to, to make them one, and they begin to move as one person, as one body through the Holy Spirit. And yet today, the Holy Spirit is so divisive. And most of the time, the church today, it looks probably a lot like my flag football team I coached this year. And you could testify to this, couldn't you? He's like, listen, I had a guy, we go out there for the first practice. I had like 11 demoniacs and we're out there and we get out there and I'm like, okay, this can't be that bad. I've coached T-ball. I've done all this. We get out there and these kids, it was wild. It was absolutely wild. This guy from the recreation department comes by and he's like, well, here, let me give you a hand. Um, uh, yeah, I've done this for a couple of years. Let me give you a hand. I was like, all right, dude, come on, you got it. I'm like, I'll leave. Can, I'll, go, I'll go get a Coke while you do this if you like. And he's like, no, just watch. I'll, I'll show you how to do it. And he's out there for like, I don't know, maybe, maybe five minutes. And he walks over and hands me the ball. And he's like, dude, this is a tough group. 
I'm like, yeah, I know. And I'd been, I mean, I'm sweating. I'm like, what are we going to do? And I mean, they just wouldn't do anything I asked them to. Listen, you know, most of you know my son, Dake, how wild and how crazy he is. It is bad when he walks up halfway through practice, pulls on my shirt, and when I look down at him, he says, Daddy, this is horrible. I was like, you're right, son. I don't know what we've gotten ourselves into. But, but we go and we're, so we're practicing. And it ended up being a great thing. That first practice was rough, but we, it ended up being better. But they would just kind of go and do their own thing. They were so divided. You couldn't get them to line up. They wouldn't listen. We had, listen, we had one kid who all he did the whole time was run around the field going, woo woo I mean, it was so crazy. We'd hand him the ball because I wanted all the kids to get to run it, you know, because they all want to run the ball, run the ball. I'm like, all right, here you go. And we'd hand it to him and he'd just run around and go, woo-hoo. And he'd run the wrong way. And I mean, and sometimes during the plays, he'd just run around just like a choo-choo train. And it was so funny. But sometimes the church looks just like that where we're just running around kind of doing our own thing. And the Holy Spirit's desire is to come and begin to unite us. His, his desire is to pull us together to bring us all who are so different into one mind. The other thing that happens is he begins to give us a vision for our life. He gives us a vision for the church. He begins to give us a vision. And Paul, or Peter, I'm sorry, says this in his message. He says, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And what he's doing is telling us, listen, this is the fulfillment of what the prophet Joel said years and years ago. And so God is the one who gives us visions. He gives us dreams and things that he wants us to do. Now, well, look at this, and we're about to bring this thing home. God is still the giver of gifts. God is still the giver of gifts. He gives gifts to men, as the Bible says, as he wills. One of the things that I believe has happened in the church is talking about being polarized. We've gone to one end of the spectrum or the other. People have either gone to the spectrum, to the side of which, you know, it's speaking in tongues. It's all of these different things. And so everything in the world ha- evolves around speaking in tongues. You speak in tongues? I don't speak in tongues. You're not. You know, and it almost becomes this stereotyping thing of you're either a, a good Christian, you're not a good Christian. You're a good Christian. Have, have, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? But I ask you this today. Would it not make sense that if you're producing the fruit of the Spirit in your life that you've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit? In fact, one of the things that I think has killed the gifts, see, there, there are things in church that we can't talk about today because of the abuses of the teaching that have happened before. It's so hard to stand up and teach biblically about prosperity. I mean, think about it. Now, the first thing that popped in your head when you heard prosperity was what? Money. It was negative. Because why? Because you've always got some guy on television begging for your $1,000 seed. And if you'll just give him a $1,000 seed, you'll be blessed, right? And so it's hard to stand up and tell people, God does want you to be prosperous and teach it accurately because as soon as they hear that word, they begin to think, oh gosh, he just wants my money. Or tongues. We, we can't teach a biblical understanding of tongues because so many people have abused tongues. So many people have done things and taught it in ways that it became divisive. So many people have, have taken healing. And this, if you're wondering, yes, this microphone is aggravating the stew out of me today. I'm just going to hold it like this now. But we've taken the, the, the subject of healing and a, and a few people have taken it and ruined it for millions. And we've got, and see, here comes the tension again. Are we willing to live in the tension together so that we can be a biblically-based community? 
Are we willing to be in a place where we're, we're willing to knock down the walls of what we understand God to be to see what he says biblically? Because biblically, God is a healer. Biblically, people do still speak in tongues. And if you speak in tongues, you don't have to apologize. Okay? But we've got to get to a place where we can, can, can see beyond the context of what we know, of, of, of what we uh, understand, okay? We've got to get to a place. God, the Holy Spirit is also the giver of gifts. And if you are in the Connect group, some of you have started looking at this. And so you're, you're starting to be really confused. Um, no, I went to a group on Thursday night and they were like, can you come explain part of this to us? And I think I left them more confused than I actually did help them. But we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit and see God's desire is that you would have all the fruit in your life. It is the fruit of the Spirit. It says the fruit of the Spirit is. It doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit are. When you get the Holy Spirit, you get all that planted on the inside of you. It is the very character of God, the DNA of God that God wishes to manifest in your life. He wishes to bring forward. I just want us today to begin to look at it and to begin to understand that God desires more for us. It may be that God has, that God just wants you to see some more colors of who he is. It may be that God wants to revolutionize the way you understand him. But my challenge today to you is, will you begin to seek him? Will we begin to realize that God the Father is on the throne, Jesus is sitting at his right hand and the Holy Spirit is here to work among us today and can we come to a place where we no longer live out of the context of our experience and own understanding and to a place where we live out of a biblical understanding I promise you I I would do everything in my in my power and the power that that God would give us to make sure that nothing unbiblical ever happens in this church but I also don't want us to sit here and limit what God wishes to do in us as a body and as individuals because we're afraid to open the door and allow the Holy Spirit to have free reign in our lives. And see, here's the thing that I want to leave you with today. This is the thing I want to leave you with. If God is going to do something supernatural through the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, he is going to do it through us, the natural. His desire is that he would come and fill the ordinary so that we could do extraordinary things, right? Y'all hang with me, we're about to go. It's kind of warm in here, don't go to sleep. We'll go get some fried chicken in a minute. But he wants to fill us with his spirit so that we, the natural, can do the supernatural. Would God not be glorified to take people like you and I who have fallen so short so many times, who come short at, at, at so many different places in our life and fill us with the power of his spirit so that we could do incredible things that people could look at and say, it's only through the spirit of God that this could happen. It is only through God himself that this could happen. But we can't hold back. We've got to get to a place where we invite God into our lives to do whatever he will. And I want to encourage you today that you would come to God with a clean slate, with a white canvas, and allow God to begin to paint on that canvas whatever it is that he wishes to paint.
Amen.